0: This episode of the Assembly Call is brought to you by SeatGeek. You know, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there is a better, simpler way to buy, and that is with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in literally just two taps. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices fully guaranteed, which is great because there's really nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person. And SeatGeek is going to help you get closer to the action for a great value. I used SeatGeek myself last basketball season here in Dallas to get tickets to go see Yogi Ferrell play. And I used them this off season to buy my wife concert tickets so I can vouch for them from personal experience. They are my go-to app when I need tickets. SeatGeek saves me time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals, and they can do the same for you. And best of all, listeners to The Assembly Call get $20 off of your first SeatGeek purchase. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y today. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, and you will get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. I'm not afraid of Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 51st edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 345th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, November 2nd, 2017. I am your host, Jared Morris, and let's begin this week how we begin every episode of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And for this week's Banner Moment, I want to take you back to early in the second half of Indiana's exhibition win over Marion. If you recall, the Hoosiers led by 12 at halftime, 40-28. to 28. But Marion quickly cut the lead to just eight points with a 6-2 run to begin the half. And one of Marion's buckets during this little mini-run was a breakaway layup that was basically just gifted to them, courtesy of a head-slappingly bad turnover by Deron Davis, some 30-plus feet from the basket. It's the kind of mind-numbing turnover that has become commonplace for Indiana over the past few seasons, much to the chagrin of, well, all of us. And what has exacerbated the frustration of watching such turnovers is that there often hasn't seemed to be much in the way of consequences for them. But maybe that's starting to change. Because a couple of possessions later, at the first dead ball after the turnover, Duran was lifted from the game for Freddie McSwain. Now, I wasn't on the bench, and I wasn't at the game, so I can't know for certain that Duran was lifted because of the turnover specifically, but it was awfully early in the half for a substitution, so my hunch is that the turnover was at least part of the reason. And in that moment, I just felt such relief. It appeared that an Indiana player was actually being held accountable for a careless turnover that had led directly to points. And what a moment this was for all of us. Indiana fans everywhere noticed golden light streaking through their windows. We heard angels sing hallelujahs rang out. Finally, what we've all been waiting for, real accountability for a terrible turnover. And here's the best part. Duran actually responded well to the quick hook. His best sequence of the game came soon after he returned. He made a great pass out of the post to Curtis Jones for a three. Then he put his magical footwork on display in executing a beautiful up-and-under move for a bucket. In fact, the entire team responded well. Just 10 minutes later, at the under-8-minute timeout, it was 76-44. In other words, Indiana went on a 34-10 run to blow the game wide open. Now, was this run a direct result of Archie pulling Duran for the turnover? Surely not. At some point, Indiana's vast advantages in size, talent, and athleticism were going to manifest themselves, and they did. But I refuse to underestimate the importance of that moment. Exhibition games aren't so much about wins and losses and margins of victory as they are about establishing and developing habits. Habits that will carry into the games that count. That's what happened last year. I used terrible turnover percentages in the exhibition games, carried right into the regular season, and lasted until the final game. Well, last Saturday night, Archie Miller wasn't having it. And his Hoosiers followed his lead, turning the ball over less in their first time out as a team than they did in any game last year. That's an important and much welcomed step in the right direction for this program. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left, we usually have one of the world's most decorated and renowned bracketologists and a Robert Johnson fan club president who is not deterred in the least by a 3-for-13 shooting night in an exhibition game. I am referring, of course, to Andy Bottoms, but Andy is currently at his daughter's basketball practice, surely demanding wind sprints for every careless turnover and likely won't be able to join us until a little bit later in the show. So we'll hope to welcome him in and get his bottoms line then. But now, to my right, ladies and gentlemen, we have someone who is so determined to stay on brand that he's already claiming credit and doing a victory lap for discovering Devontae Green and predicting his breakout before the exhibition season is even over yet. He is a columnist for the big lead, and he is a man who, if he's really determined to take credit for something... and let's be honest, isn't he always, shouldn't he take credit for writing this back on June 30th when many others were saying the opposite? Quote, in the long run, the Pacers are going to win the Paul George deal. Unquote. Heck, the short run isn't looking too bad either. And here's a quick update, and I'm not making this up. In the time since I wrote this intro on Wednesday afternoon, he has now publicly claimed credit for his immediate take on the Pacers' thunder trade via post on thebiglead.com. I should have known. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your Indiana basketball-related rant this week? Well, let's let's remember, first of all, I predicted that would be the trade that would get made. I actually
1: named Victor Oladipo and Damanis Sabonis going to the Pacers. Then it happened. I said they won that trade, and I stand by it. They are a much better team without Paul George and with those two players. Anyway, on to, on to uh, IU basketball. Uh, you know, I'll be short here. I, I just think that that my moment of the week was just getting a game underway with a new coach. I mean, we've been you know we had a long stretch in, under another system under another coach and it had its ups and downs it certainly had some wonderful moments and then had some terrible ones as well um i think that you know for the last gosh what is it now seven months it seems like almost um there's been a lot of talk and and now it was time to play and 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 did moments of that marion game and certainly there are concerns about this team uh So what I would say is I'm just excited because I think we're actually playing games now and and we're actually, uh, you know, we've moved forward to a, a spot where, you know, we're not talking about basketball anymore. We're actually playing it and we're seeing what Archie Miller's team can do. Um, and, and what these guys can do in his system and see how they can play and, and what it'll look like and I think it's going to take time. Uh, you know I've said all along I won't judge this team until mid-december, but I think that you know it's nice to see some steps forward in the right direction as you said that turnover moment watching them play that help defense a little bit stronger
0: uh, and recover and guys getting in the right position was was
1: nice to see it was certainly a different look than last year. No,
0: no question about it. All right, well, here's what we are going to discuss this week. We'll get Ryan's hot takes, if there are any others, on the exhibition game. And then also a few choice quotes from the first edition of Archie Miller's Coaches Show, which debuted on Thursday night. Uh, then we'll talk about some headlines, including the latest on Darius Garland, where IU is falling in the top 351 list, because it's kind of all over the place. Uh, and then a really interesting quote by Max Bielfeldt, Ryan, that I'll be interested to get your thoughts on. Then a new segment that we're calling secret overreactions, and I think you'll enjoy this. And finally, our Twitter Q&A and maybe a little special bonus after that if we have time. All of that coming here on Assembly Call Radio. But before we jump into all of that, uh, I do want to just take a quick moment and say thank you again on behalf of our entire team. Uh, Tomorrow was supposed to be the day that our preseason donation drive was going to end, uh, but we hit our goal well, well before that. Uh, And I know I mentioned this uh, on the show, on the exhibition game post game show, but I just wanted to, to say it again to thank you for all of your support. It's unbelievable uh, that we can, you know, uh, open that up and ask you to to help support us for what we're doing, and you guys come through so much. And basically, we had our goal within what like forty eight to seventy two hours, something crazy like that. So. We just really appreciate it. Um, I know Andy and I both had a chance to say thank you and Ryan, I wanted to give you an opportunity too as well, because uh, I know that you wanted to express your appreciation too. Yeah,
1: thank you everybody, for, for being so dedicated to the show and, and, and helping us out and um, you know we do this because we love it not because we make a ton of money off it, but it helps you know fill out uh, some of the things we wanted in the show. I mean, we pocket for out of this money so it all goes back into the show and it goes uh the things we want to do make the show better for you guys so thank you so much for for your donations it really means a lot and just uh, keep things going
0: yeah and as we go through the season uh if you do still want to support the show uh, then use the url iutickets.shop to go to SeatGeek and shop for IU basketball tickets and iustore.shop to visit the IU online store for gear those are our affiliate links so we get commissions whenever you use them again iutickets.shop and iu store. All right, you are listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips. Uh, And Ryan, you obviously didn't get a chance to join Andy and I for the exhibition post-game show. And obviously, you know, Devontae Green was a big story uh, coming out of that game. But what were some of your hot takes uh, from from that first exhibition game? Well, I thought the defense looked... I mean, it's still a work in progress. Everything is a work in progress with this team.
1: I can't sit here and say this is what it's going to be yet. And I and I've continually cautioned people about, hey, let's wait uh, a few months, let these guys get the systems down. Um, I thought at times the offense looked a little disjointed, but I, I, it's expected at this point with a new system and new players. Um, I, I think Clifton Moore, while he didn't play a whole lot, I, I thought he looks physically so much better than he did in high school. Um, you know, I think we jokingly in the offseason I kept throwing out that he needed to be eating like a ham sandwich every twenty minutes, uh, you know, to gain some weight. But I thought physically he looked a lot better than he did uh, in high school and school film. And I thought yeah, I thought Devontae Green, that's you can call it a hot take, but just think that that he's a basketball player. He's one of those guys who no matter where you put him, he's gonna do something for you. And and he just knows how to play the game of basketball. He's not the flashiest guy. He's not the Uh, you know, not, doesn't have the athleticism to to jump out of the gym, not ridiculous length, none of that stuff, but he's just the guy who gets things done and, and causes problems for the other team. And I think that along with the way they played that pack line help defense, um, really stood out to me. And those, those were the, those were the two things I took away from it.
0: Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Archie's uh, coaches show, because last year and for a while, that's been on Monday nights. It is now on Thursday nights. It begins at seven o'clock Eastern time. So nice little lead in for Assembly Call Radio. We appreciate it. <laughs> we appreciate the scheduling there. Uh, but there were a couple of quotes that stood out to me. Ryan, I want to get your reaction to them. One is and I loved this almost did a, a last minute change to the banner moment. But Archie said, if we've done one thing, it's trying to establish that we're not going to be a team that's going to give up easy baskets, which is. Music to the ears of IU fans who have seen, you know, that's been one of the biggest problems with Indiana's defense is just the breakdowns that lead to easy buckets, not where the other team didn't even feel like they really had to earn it. And if Indiana can just reduce those, along with reducing some of the really bad turnovers, you know, you're looking at a shoot six to ten point, you know, advantage or, you know, swing from last year right there. So I thought that was real positive. Obviously, he's got to do it. There's more than talk that's needed. Right. Nice to know that's the emphasis.
1: And, and again, that's going to be a process because it's a, it's a matter of committing to defense for 35, for 30 seconds. You know, I mean, you've got to yeah. commit to defense for the entire shot clock. Um, and that was you know, the nice doing, thing is
0: how many times we forced Marion into late shot clock situations. You know, that was nice. Exactly.
1: And, and it's, it, and I think that, again, the defense is what stood out to me in that game. And, and I think that he's right. I think that that makes such a more difficult team of team, especially in the high scoring era of basketball. Um. I think that if you can be a team that can get a stop, great defense usually stops great offense, you know, it usually stymies it. And and I think that if you can make yourself a much more difficult team to score on and then you can get the talent in that can score in one on one situations. I mean, you obviously want to run a team offense. No question about that. You want to run that team spread offense where you where everybody has a chance to touch it. You're moving the basketball, all that. But late clock situations, if you have a guy who can beat people and get in and either score or set somebody else up to score, and Indiana has the ability to recruit those guys, um, you're know, you seeing it right now. The the recruiting that Archie's doing looks like he'll be able to get some of those guys um, to beat guys one-on-one late in clock. If you can do that and at the same time stop the other team from doing that, you're going to be in a pretty good position to win some basketball games, particularly late in games, if you can keep it close with that defense.
0: Yep. All right, one more thought that Archie had, and I thought this was kind of interesting, and apparently no decision has been made, but the question was asked, you know, what of his traditions, and, you know, I guess talking about back when he was the coach at Dayton, did he appreciate the most? And he talked about starting lineups and how he actually doesn't really like traditional starting lineups. He said, at Dayton, I felt to have a traditional starting lineup with the spotlight on each one isn't what it's about. We huddle and announce the starting lineup in the huddle, get away from the spotlight, come back to the group. What would be your thoughts on a drastic change to the starting lineups at Simon Scott Assembly Hall? Because when I first I heard know. that, I kind of liked it. I, I Yeah, I kind of like... I mean, can you imagine not getting to cheer for Yogi
1: Ferrell before a game or Cody Zeller before a game when they got called out and run out? Or as know? Chronic
0: Hoosier said, not getting to hear Chuck Crab say, Sophomore.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I could do that. I, I, I kind of like the pageantry of that at a big program,
0: you know, and, and,
1: you know, the music and everything and getting to cheer. And then, you know, and head coach Archie Miller, you know, I mean, come on. I think that's fun. I look, I uh, Archie's going to do whatever he wants.
0: It's his program to run. Um, but oh, you don't I like think he's going to listen to this conversation and determine based on what we suggest? If you he would, I don't know. We'll, we'll determine whether he hasn't
1: been here long enough for me to know whether or not he's smart. So uh, he does have a great actual first name in Ryan. So we'll uh, we'll see. Uh, no, I think that I, I think, you know, he's going to do what he wants and, and build his team the way he wants. But I kind of like that aspect of uh, of the way things play out yeah, in, us, in the intros.
0: Let us know on Twitter what you think about that at assembly call. Be interested to hear uh, what people think. All right. Coming up on the assembly call, we are going to go through some headlines, including the latest on Darius Garland's recruitment, uh, where Indiana's falling, and some of the 1 to 351 rankings, and an interesting quote by Max Bielfeld that we'll discuss. That's next. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the Script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, my co-hosts on The Assembly Call IU postgame show. And don't forget, if you ever have to miss all or part of an episode of Assembly Call Radio, there are two great ways to catch up. You can subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Just search for Assembly Call. Or you can join our live Thursday night broadcasts or watch the video replays by subscribing to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assembly call. And we have a special treat. Andy Bottoms is back early. We thought we wouldn't get him until segments three or four, but he's here for segment two. And so, Andy, the floor is yours for your Bottoms line from the past week in IU basketball.
2: Oh, boy. Uh, you know, I... I... Just it, quite honestly, it's just more days taken off the calendar until the season actually starts. You know, these all these rankings come out, one to three hundred and fifty-one, uh, and different poll results. And I'm working on preseason bracketology and stuff like that. But uh, it's it, it'll be exciting to actually have games that matter. But um, you know, for me, it's just every every day a little bit more preview content out there to uh, to soak up and and just ready for the season to actually actually get started. And my my kids' season start this weekend, so I've got a game to coach tomorrow night, and my my team of Uh, first graders so that should be uh high comedy i'm sure um so
1: why would that be the case
2: uh well it's uh the scrimmages in practice have been entertaining i'll i'll just leave it at that
1: is it me or is that a reflection on the coach
0: jared that's a reflection (laughs) on the coach it's definitely a reflection on the coach
2: yeah if they don't yeah if they're not going to take it seriously in games where no score is kept i i don't see how anyone should really be able to just yell at one of them for not recovering
0: just if you're not going to recover I, I just, yeah, just one time,
2: one time. I All did right. uh I did my older daughter had practice tonight. I I got on her a couple times about about things cuz I figured she can take it a little bit easier than the uh than the 6-year-old six can. That's good. You have that's, like a
1: limit of how many times per year you can make them cry. It's like five. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't allow myself any more than five this year. That's like the difference yeah. in
0: how Archie will treat Clifton Moore and Colin Hartman this year, you know. Get on get on Colin, he can take it and spare the freshman. All right, let's do this. Let's roll through some headlines. So let's hit this one real quick. Headline on Darius Garland. Uh, You know, Evan Daniels reported for Scout.com that Darius hasn't made a decision. Breaking news there, right? Because he hasn't made a decision. He still would like to before his high school season starts, apparently. Uh, You know, kind of caused a wave among the message board crowd when a few people switched their crystal ball picks to Vanderbilt. Uh, and look, we got excited a couple weeks ago when a bunch of crystal ball picks switched to Indiana for Darius and Romeo. So it's only fair to state that that happened. But it, there, it doesn't sound like there's any real news that you know kind of caused those movements. So who knows if there's you know jostling going on uh, in the background? But it sounds like it's still a two-horse race between Indiana and Vanderbilt, and we'll just have to wait for Darius to actually make his decision. Uh, I still you know feel pretty good about it, uh, and there's nothing really new on the Romeo front. So we just have to wait. On both of those guys to make their decisions. Headline number two, the AP preseason poll is out. Duke is number one. Michigan State is number two. Uh, and Andy, my first thought when I saw that is Archie Miller is going to get a chance to knock off numbers one and number two at Simon Scott Assembly Hall this year, which is always a good thing.
2: Oh, yeah. Good. Uh, good to have those teams coming in. And then, yeah, I mean, Big Ten teams, these, these polls aren't all that different from one another. Quite honestly, Minnesota's 15th mm-hmm. in both uh produced 20th and one 21st another northwestern 19th and one 20th and another uh and i think those are the only big 10 teams that are uh that are ranked which just kind of lines up with what most everybody has said there's a a fairly clear-cut top four uh and it looks like you know a handful of others receive votes maryland received some wisconsin uh, i think just out of habit people are are continuing to vote for them (laughs) and uh and michigan got a few as well so
0: Hey uh, Ryan, by the way, we had a new listener. It was, I was think last week who emailed and asked why you hate Coach K so much. And I promise that there will be a lot of discussion about this leading up to the Duke game, after the Duke game, and you'll go into all of your reasons for your disdain for Coach K. Unless yeah,
1: you want we'll to, take... unless you
0: want to do a little bit now, feel free.
1: No, we should. It, it won't be quick. We should probably take a whole segment, an entire on entire segment. Uh, <laughs> uh, maybe shift it to Assembly Call After Dark. Um, <laughs> but no, I think we'll probably want that on the podcast. Uh, we might we might have to start it and sort of tease some assembly call after dark stuff because there might be swearing. I'm not going to say there will be, I'm not going to say there won't. But um no, I think uh, yeah, I'm definitely up for for getting into that. Maybe I'll maybe I'll sort of you have to give me some time and a heads up for when that's going to be cuz I got to organize my thoughts on that for okay. sure. Well, November 29th just,
0: is the game. So that's that right. that's, that's okay. your heads up. So, so that okay. week we'll do it. That right. week that week we will do it. Uh, okay, headline number 3. Where are other people ranking Indiana? So people, obviously, they're not in the top 25. So where is Indiana ranked? Well, a lot of these 1 through 351 rankings have come out. We talked about the Ken Palm rankings last week where Indiana was 65th, and they're kind of all over the place in the other rankings. SI has Indiana 46th, 8th in the Big Ten, and they actually have Indiana in the first four. So they're the last team to make the tournament. They are the most bullish of anybody on the Hoosiers. ESPN, uh, and these rankings were done by John Gassaway, has Indiana 53rd, uh, and he has Indiana 9th in the Big Ten. And then Matt Norlander from CBS hates Indiana. He has the Hoosiers 75th and 9th in the Big Ten. So in other words, no one really knows what to make of IU, but SI is clearly the closest to right Uh, Andy what do you make of these and have you started to do any of these preseason predictions of your own and where is Indiana
2: falling uh yeah I'm I'm working through preseason bracketology I think the one thing that you see in a lot of these is um there's some teams in the Big Ten that are pretty closely clustered together I know ESPN also put out their preseason um BPI numbers and IU is 46th in that as well which I think puts them eighth or ninth again um it's kind of what we've what we've said all along there's a you know, not a ton of separation once you get down into the, you know, typically it's kind of the Iowa Penn state IU, uh, kind of grouping when you get down to like around eighth in the conference is probably a couple, maybe they're a little bit closer than that. They're, they're close to seventh in a, in a couple of them. But, um, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's pretty fair where, where they are, uh, at this point in a lot of these rankings, I think you're, uh, you know, they get I, points probably isn't the right word, but you know, they certainly get credit for being experienced. Um, and so I think some of the, you know, experience production they have, but they also have guys coming back who have, uh, you know, shown some, some serious and continued flaws over the course of the last couple of years, which also go into these models from an efficiency standpoint. And so, uh, anytime you're, you're changing coaches and things like that, they all try to account for the coaching change differently and what that's going to mean um, recruiting. I think most of them don't really weigh recruiting in too heavily unless it's a, you know, really the, the top of the top um, guys that are there. So IU doesn't have any of those guys coming in. So um, I think pretty fair based on what everybody knows right now in in terms of computer modeling. And I think again, Speaks to the fact that Big Ten, there's some pretty clear tiers uh, that are out there, and there isn't a ton of separation even between teams like you know five through through nine or ten. I think those could shake out in, in just about any order when it's all said and done.
0: You're listening to the Assembly Column, Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms. Ryan, your thoughts on where Indiana's falling in these rankings? Here's my thing: is that nobody knows what
1: this team's going to look like, and I've been saying that. We we've been saying that. I think all of us have been saying that for a while. I mean, we don't know. And you have to remember that last year this team was projected to do really well. Um, and, and didn't, and I think that people are grading this year's team based on what they saw last year, when I think last year, it's fair to say that everybody performed poorly and and that team was dragged down almost like by each other you know, the playing, you know, the play of those guys was dragged down by the play of the other guys, you know, so it was sort of a cumulative snowball effect uh, as that season went along. Uh, So I would say that we really don't know. And and I think that people in these models are guessing because they're basing it on what they saw last year. Whereas a guy like Juwan Morgan is much better than he showed last year. A guy like Robert Johnson is probably much better than he showed last year. Uh, Freddie McSwain looks like he's a much better player. Durant Davis is certainly better than he was last year. So, I mean, there are guys who are, Curtis Jones and and, uh, and and Devontae Green are better than they were last year. So really, you can't look at last year's team as a model for this year's team. And I feel like a lot of these projections model based on that. Um, that's not to say that they're necessarily wrong. I just think they're guessing in a lot of ways because we don't know what this team's going to look like at all. New system, new coach, new style of play. So any of the statistical th- stuff you would use to project is kind of out the window. So I would just caution anybody who's looking and saying oh i use gonna be out of the tournament now as to say okay nobody really knows what they're what they're talking about at this point and we'll see as this goes on i think by mid to late december we'll have a handle on what this team is and what they'll be for this year
0: yeah that's why four of these rankings one had them in the 40s one in the 50s one in the 60s one in the 70s so all over the place which all over the place seems fair all right so let's end with this uh had a chance to talk with Max Bielfeldt on the latest edition of Podcast on the Brink, and I thought he made a really interesting comment. want to get your guys' thoughts quickly on it. He said that the home court advantage that Indiana receives playing at Simon Scott Assembly Hall can actually be a disadvantage on the road because of the crazy fan support that you get at home. You kind of get used to that, and it's a little bit jarring to not have it on the road in addition to just you know being in a tough road environment. And it's especially tough in the absence of an emotional leader. And he thinks that Colin Hartman can be that guy this year, that Indiana really missed that last year, that it was kind of obvious that he was out. And that could be another reason why this team improves and plays a little bit better than last year's team did. I just thought that perspective was really interesting. Ryan, quickly, what did you you think about Max's quote? That's a really interesting perspective, and I would go so far as to even say
1: that I use home court advantage doesn't necessarily hurt. It might actually help when they go face hostile environments where it hurts them is when the atmosphere is dead. Like Penn state. And that's why they, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's why they struggle at Penn State. They struggle at hey, places those like three Illinois. people
2: that sat right behind the broadcast table at the Penn State game last year were really into that game. I mean, I remember it. You know, but
1: I think that that it plays, They they've struggled playing at Ohio State when they're not that great. They've struggled playing at Iowa when nobody's showing up. So I think that it actually hurts them more when there's less of an atmosphere than a
0: hostile atmosphere. Yep all right coming up we will debut a new segment this should be fun it's called secret overreactions where we lay bare the observations that we'd otherwise be too nervous to say out loud that's next let me send the call You are listening to The Assembly Call. Go to assemblycall.com slash join right now to learn how to subscribe to our email newsletter. If you want to get more out of being an IU basketball fan, then you need to be on our newsletter list. You will get our weekly Six Banner Sunday news roundups, as well as our detailed postgame analysis emails. It is all free, and it will make you a smarter IU basketball fan. Again, the URL is assemblycall.com slash I am Jared Morris, here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, my co-hosts on the Assembly Call IU postgame show. And gentlemen, it is time to debut a new segment, and we are calling this segment Secret Observations. And so the goal here is we are going to kind of lay bare... Secret observations? No, secret overreactions. Sorry, secret overreactions. Yes, I said that wrong. And it's important that word overre... Thank you for the correction, because the word overreaction is important, because these are meant to kind of be a little out there and especially at this point in the season really almost any observation you know can be an overreaction because all we have to go on is a scrimmage and an exhibition game but these are just kind of maybe gut feelings that we have about something either good or bad that we might not normally say on the show because maybe it's not fully developed maybe we can't really defend it but just a gut feeling that we have after watching this team all right and then the other two people will tell you if you're onto something or if you're kind of crazy so I'll go first and just kind of show you a little bit what I'm thinking here. You guys, you kind of understand the the ground rules here and what we're getting at. It's not difficult. Go Mm -hmm. ahead. Okay. (laughs) All (laughs) right. Okay. So here we go. So here's mine. So after the scrimmage, after the exhibition, I'm starting to get a little bit worried that Deron Davis may not be ready for his close-up. And I say this like I think physically he looks better. I think he looks more athletic. But I couldn't help but find myself expecting more from him in the Marion game. And I talked about the big stretch that he had. You know, he's shown some flashes, but, you know, he played almost 20 minutes, only grabbed two defensive rebounds. You know, kind of drifted in and out of the game, and his scoring came in spurts, but there were times that... You know, he just wasn't a factor. And I thought, you know, just some of the other reading between the lines things. Archie talked a lot about him at the beginning of the offseason. Now in a lot of his recent quotes, you're not hearing that. He's not a guy whose name is being mentioned a lot for the gold jersey. And, you know, a lot of times when Archie talks about him, now it's about, you know, he, you know we've really been getting on Duran for this, and he needs to do this. And so much is expected. There was so much excitement. And I still have very high hopes. I guess I just expected a little bit more these first two outings, and so I'm hoping to see it Sunday, but I can't fight a little gnawing feeling that he may not be ready for the close-up and ready for the big jump we all think he needs to take for Indiana to you know, be better than these preseason expectations. Am I, am I crazy or am I on to something?
1: I think it's hard to hard, I know it's a it's supposed to be an overreaction, uh, but I, I think that is definitely an overreaction. I think that you've got to give the guy time to get comfortable in the system. And and you're going to see some of these guys look uncomfortable in the system and, and wonder when they're supposed to shoot, when they're supposed to do this, when they're supposed to do that. Robert Johnson is not going to go over five from three a lot. Uh, he's not going to go three for 13 from the field a lot. And, and I don't think Deron Davis is only going to get two defensive rebounds very often um, and drift in and out of the game. I think you're right on what you saw, but I think you also have to sort of give a bit of grace to these guys for a while as they try and figure out how they fit in and and, and where they belong. Uh, I thought Deron was in great position on defense for most of the night, which I think is very important for him because he's, gonna be relied upon there a lot uh, offensively I think it'll come because I think we've seen in stretches he can be great but I sure it's fine to be concerned I'm, I'm fine with that but he might also feel out of place right now and just be trying to find his way and I think that might have something to do with it but uh, I think talent wins out I think we all know Deron Davis is very talented and I think he'll he'll get there eventually
2: Andy
0: am I crazy or am I onto something
2: um, I think I would look at it in a couple of different ways uh, on the, on the one hand, I think the part that we have seen over the course of the last few seasons that we also saw in some of these is a struggle to get the ball inside to whoever the post player is. Now that isn't necessarily a reflection on him as much as it is maybe the rest of the team or, or how they're getting him the ball. So I think that part is maybe a, a little concerning to me. So I've kind of go on with you a little bit there and, and the other piece of it is, I mean, I think you could apply a similar statement um, to to any of the guys who have really we kind of looked to coming into the season to, to really shoulder the load, I think. Robert Johnson has had moments, but his shot hasn't looked great. I think Juwan Morgan, a lot has been expected of him as well. And I don't know that he has um, you know, we've talked about some of the three point shooting and, and kind of his insistence on on shooting a lot of those in these 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 settings that, that have been there so far. So I think
0: But Archie has also you know, talked glowingly about Juwan in terms of practice too. You know, like so there's some things yeah. there that help mitigate yeah. that a little bit in my yeah. mind. Yeah,
2: I don't I I I say that I say all that to say I don't know that I'm worried necessarily about any of those guys, but I think the statement that you made about Duran maybe isn't if from a production standpoint, isn't specific to him, so I'm not really Go worried on. yet. I worry more about can they actually get him the ball, so that we can get a more definitive answer to your question. Because if they can't, then I don't know. Then it becomes a little bit hard to evaluate him uh, in in that way. All
0: right. Well, I feel a little bit better. See, I'm glad that I let that secret overreaction out because now now I feel better about it. Uh, Let's get Andy's right, who,
1: overreaction.
2: Oh, going to Ryan, Ryan has
0: volunteered you next, Andy.
2: Oh, yes, cause it's so easy that you're making other people go first. Yes, all right. this is yes. probably this is probably not quite as much of an overreaction as as I, as we thought. But it does tie into kind of something that I've tracked over the last few years. So one of the things I think we all wanted coming into the season was this tighter rotation of players where maybe there was only eight guys that played. And we've looked at Archie Miller teams in the past and have have seen him play a little bit tighter group of guys and let them really, uh really gel my belief is that's not going to happen this year um I actually think there's 10 guys based on what we've seen so far that assuming that everybody uh is healthy will will play and that doesn't really count Al Durham because we haven't seen him yet um but I think and for the record Archie basically said
0: for the record Archie uh, basically said that Al's defense was as good as anybody's and that he is in the rotation on the on the radio show earlier tonight so
2: so maybe you get to see it. So maybe that puts you at 11, but I struggle to figure out who you take out of that based on what we've seen um, before. From a guard perspective, you've certainly seen good things from really all four. Um, and you know that, you know, Robert Johnson's going to play. He's the one that may have struggled with the shot the most of any of the four of the, the guys that we've seen. He's not going to be out. If, if what you said is correct about Durham, he's not, he's going to be in there. You've got Juwan Hartman, and Dron Davis that you know are going to play. I think McSwain is going to be able to give good minutes, and I don't know how you sit the freshmen um, without letting them get some experience. So I think a rotation that we might have hoped might be eight might end up being 11, and I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing, but I do think it's when you watch these guys play, I think there's more talent and depth and the desire, at least from a fan perspective, and I would assume also from a coaching perspective, to play more of these guys and really start to see what he has for a team that's going to lose a ton heading into next season.
0: I think you're onto something there. I, I I really think you are. And I don't know that it's necessarily, you know, a bad thing for this season because Archie's still learning these guys. You know, unfortunately, he's got a deep bench of talented guys, maybe not a lot of superstars. So it'll be interesting to see as the season goes, you know, if that rotation shortens. But I definitely think you're you're on to something, especially early uh, in the season.
1: Yeah, and I think basketball is moving away from tight rotations.
0: It just is. It's moving away. It's
1: moving more to balanced you know, minutes for guys where guys play, especially in college, play between 25, you know, the top guys play between 25 and 30. You're not seeing guys play 36, 37, 38 minutes anymore. Um, and, and, you know, it's more of an up and down game where you're running a lot and there's not a lot of slowdown. So you can't play 40 minutes, you know, unless you're, you know, one of the best players in the nation, you're not going to do that. So I think that wider rotations, um, keeping guys fresh are certainly things that, you know, in this up and down era that people look for more often. So I think, I think you're right, Andy. I think that while Archie may, um, where his uh, inkling and his instinct might be to keep that uh, tighter rotation. I just don't think you can do that these days as much.
0: You're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms, and we are laying bare our secret overreactions, uh, things, kind of observations that we've had that we've been a little bit afraid to say, but we're laying them bare here for you. Uh, Ryan, what is your secret overreaction? I think Devontae Green's going to lead
1: the team in assists
0: this year. Um,
1: I don't even know if he's going to start. I don't think he's going to start, but I think he's going to lead the team in assists because I think he's the best distributor on the team, and I think that that has become obvious over, you know, watching him play a little bit and, and, and thinking about the other guys who will be a running sort of, you know, ball handling. I don't think Josh Newkirk, I, I like Josh Newkirk, what he provides. I don't think he's necessarily a distributor. I think Robert Johnson's more of a scorer on that wing spot who can pass the ball a bit. Um, but I think Devonte green is a distributor and he's going to be a guy who gets other guys, the ball in good positions to score. And I don't think, and even if he, and I'm projecting that he's going to leave the team in assist and not be a starter. Um, because I think that while the rest of the team will spread the assists around, when he comes in, he'll be a guy who gets the ball to people. Um, So that's my prediction. I don't know if that's crazy enough for you, but that was my initial reaction and maybe overreaction.
0: That's interesting. I think you might be onto something there. I was fully expecting you to say, like, Devontae Green was going to lead the team in scoring and be first-team All-Big Ten or something like that. No. And that would have been crazy, but... I think you might be onto something with assists specifically because look Josh Newkirk has turned himself into a pretty darn good shooter like we are now going back well yep. into last season with and him, him being a really good shooter better, yeah and, and he hasn't been a big assist guy consistently and you're right Robert Johnson has played his best basketball as a guy on the wing a spot up shooter you know he did you know some nice distributing you know the year that, the last year that he played with Yogi but that's not really his forte so he could do it just by sheer minutes cuz I think he'll play more minutes but you got a good point there about Devontae and, and his ability to create and get into spaces and, I think, see things that other guys don't see. Um, That's the so, big thing is his court vision. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you might be onto something with that one, actually. Andy, what do yeah, you think? It's thinking? really hard for you to admit <laughs> that I might have said something. I'm glad, I'm, well, I'm just glad you took a little bit of a different angle on it than I thought because I was all ready to unload and talk about how Devonte scored 17 points in last year's exhibition game and what did it mean, but you, you specified it well, so nice work. What do you think
2: it? Yeah, I mean the only thing that I would add to to what Jared said was I think if so much of college basketball and, and basketball in general is predicated on, you know, ball screens and things like that um and he definitely seems to be the most comfortable in making reads off of those plays. Um I think there was there was a one of the things that uh, Ryan Caraza broke down in the um the film session from from the exhibition game was a you know a play where he ended up dishing. I think it was to I want to say it was to Clifton Moore, but I could be wrong about who it actually was. But made a really good read off of a curl, got the ball and and made a good good uh, decision, a good, decision and a good yeah. pass. And so and, and so I think he's a guy that just seems most comfortable in those scenarios. I think D, I absolutely agree with you guys about Robert Johnson, and I know that that was some of the NBA draft feedback that he got was about whether he could run a team. Um, and while I think he'll get chances to do that. You know, I I think, uh, you know, he's best suited with this team with who else is there um, that he can be the off ball guy and, and go through that. And I think Newkirk can do that in spurts. But um, I could see him doing that better against a, a second team defense than against the first. So, um, yeah, I actually uh, I I don't know that I would be that shocked by that at all, quite honestly, just because you, he just his feel for passing and where to where to get guys the ball just seems to be better than um, than anybody else on the team at this point.
0: All right, I've got one more to close us out. Uh, I think that Justin Smith and Clifton Moore are going to have a similar impact on this year's team to what Juwan Morgan and O.G. Ananobi had their freshman year. They didn't play much in the beginning. Now, here's the difference. Here's the difference is neither of those guys has an elite skill like O.G. Ananobi had from a defensive perspective – And I actually think their impact will be more on the offensive end than it will be defensively because I think this is a team that's going to struggle to score. But I think Justin Smith is showing that he's a guy who can get to the line. He's a slasher type, and he knocked down all five of his free throws. And Clifton Moore, we know the varied skill set that he has, and especially being a big man, if he can come in and spell Deron Davis, I think there are going to be games where he comes in, gets comfortable, and feels it, and puts up six, eight points in a flash. And you're like, where did that come from? And for a team that is going to struggle, I think, with consistency on offense, and look, it's hard to say that about freshmen when they've, you know, barely gotten their, their feet wet playing at all. But just from what I've seen of them come January, come February, come March, I like what they can bring to this team with increased minutes and increased comfortability, especially on the offensive end. Am I onto something or am I crazy?
1: I, I think they they'll have an impact. I don't think it'll be that strong. Um I thought I thought, you know, what O. G. and Juwan Morgan did that year was spectacular and and, and enormous from them. And I don't know if it's going to come. Um, I don't think it's going to be that strong from these two. I like them. I, mean, both I don't think it's going to lead to a big
0: 10 title just because I don't think the team's going to be on that stage, but your point's well taken.
1: Right? No, I, I think that, I think that long-term these, both these guys could be great, but I think that, that that's a little strong for what they can give this year. I think, I don't know. Maybe I'm off Andy. What do you think?
2: I, I think I, I I'm kind of half and half. I think Clifton Moore. I think that could be true of um, because he he is going to be able to be in the weight program, add add some you know weight to his body. But he also has a unique skill set for this team in, in terms of you know the size, but the ability to put the ball on the floor. I think he'll be able to give teams a different look than Duran could, depending upon what other um, what other teams are doing defensively. With Smith, I just worry about can he really get enough minutes to have that kind of impact eventually? Because uh, kind of going back to my my last point, I don't know at whose expense. He gets those minutes outside of an injury, um, which we can't really predict, and, and certainly hope doesn't happen. So that would be my one concern with him. Yeah, I think there will be games when he comes in and can give him a lot of energy and, and play well in short spurts. I just don't know that he ends up carving out the kind of minutes that those guys were able to during that year. But I could see Clifton Moore doing that um, of the two. So I'm kind of I'm kind of halfway with you on the, on the two of them. I think if you didn't, if somebody got hurt. Um, in the front court, I think you can see that with Smith. But I think in, in the absence of that, I'm just not sure he plays enough.
0: So I think what we've seen here in this segment is that I am clearly the most supportive of the three of us. I supported both of you in your overreactions, and I don't feel like I got the same level of support from you guys. I
1: just yeah, no, we're it. jerks. It's okay. We're jerks.
0: <laughs> I laid my soul bare. These showed... things that I've been thinking and harboring, it was, very, it was very, I was very afraid to to put this out there.
2: Well, another secret that Ryan and I have is that we made a pact to undermine this new segment idea that you had. So (laughs) uh, now I have laid that secret bare, and now everyone
0: knows. There we go. Very nice. All right. Uh, Coming up on the Assembly Call in our final segment, we've got a bunch of great questions to hit. Some other topics that we haven't had a chance to talk about yet in this show. So we will do that next as we close here on the Assembly Call. You're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, my co-hosts on The Assembly Call IU postgame show, and it is that time in the show when we answer your questions. So a lot of good ones sent in. Let's get right to it. The first question comes from Noah Freeman. Noah wants to know, what will Colin Hartman's role be once he is able to come back? Obviously, we discussed this a little bit in segment two, just in terms of the leadership that he can provide, especially on the road. Uh, but Ryan, what do you think Colin Hartman's role will be once he's back playing on the floor?
1: I think he's going to be the starting small forward, you know, three four wing guy, uh, along with Jawan Morgan out there on 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 the floor. I, I think he has to start. I think he's your senior leader. And I think that he's a guy who does so many little things to help you win that, that they have to put them out put him out there as much as possible. So I, I think he's going to be a starter. Um, and I think he's going to be a, a reliable guy and he might, he's again, he's not going to be a guy who's going to drop 25 points for you. He, but he's a guy who might fill up the stat sheet a bit, uh, you know, sort of get, if he gets halfway to a triple double, uh, you know, every game, five, five and five, I guarantee you he had a phenomenal game. So I, I think that, um, that's what he'll do, and, and that's what his role will be at least to open the season is, as soon as he's fully healthy.
2: Andy I think I think the only thing I would add to that is they've talked a little bit about wanting to run have him initiate and run more offense through him. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that's going to lead to a, a, a large number of shots that he's going to take, but I do think um, we're going to see him put in positions to really set up other guys a little bit more than what we've seen from him before where he was uh, you know largely a catch and shoot guy and uh, some of the, the the times that he was with Tom Green.
0: Alrighty, our next question comes to us from Will. How many guys on this roster are future NBA players? Who are they, and why? Ryan, you want to take a crack at this? Ooh, let's see. I would say I think
1: Deron Davis. Uh, this is the guys who will play in the NBA. That is my my baseline. Not not stars. Not regular. You know, guys who play just, that at much. At some point, what? they'll play in the NBA. Deron Davis, one. Robert Johnson, two. I'm looking at the roster right now. Uh, I think Justin Smith will make it eventually. I think uh, Devontae Green will.
0: You think all those guys are going to play in the NBA?
1: Juwan Morgan,
0: yeah, at some point I think they. You all didn't will. even
2: mention Clifton Moore. Ryan's so going to drop some scoop that he knows about NBA expansion coming up. Apparently, I don't know. Expansion.
0: No, I don't know enough about Clifton Moore um, to. Except that Yet. he's the only guy on the NBA draft radar, according to Draft Express, which is yeah, ironic. I
1: mean... But yeah, I look, it, no, I think that I think that Robert Johnson can play in the NBA. I don't know if he will, actually. I mean, maybe he'll go play in, in Europe, but the guys who are going to be in the NBA, I think Justin Smith will be in the NBA for sure. I think Deron Davis will be in the NBA um, and Jawan Morgan. will all three definitely be in the NBA. Uh, Devontae Green, Robert Johnson, Clifton Moore. I could go either way on. Wow. Those are my three for sure, guys. Interesting.
0: Andy, do you have any? I mean, I I don't think we'll see that many guys. I hope so, obviously, but I don't know that those guys are going to be NBA players. I just I even if seen they're it on yet.
1: a deep bench, especially with the way the G League is set up now, where you can go up and down. Yeah. I, I that does I
2: help. They, so hopefully, yeah. I, I I don't know. I mean, I I think I think Duran, if he can, you know, continue to progress, I think Morgan and Smith, I agree with as potential candidates just because of the. Um, you know, their kind of physical makeup and, and their ability to, I would in Morgan's case, we kind of know this and, and Smith's, um, we, we hopefully see it over the course of time, ability to guard different positions and, and, uh, and play on the wing are, are possibilities. Still, yeah. Um, but yeah, Clifton Moore would be an interesting one. Yeah. I mean, if I had to pick a number, I'd say three, although I don't know that I'm super confident in who those three are, um. But I, I guess I'm less bullish on that than Ryan would be.
0: Yeah, it's not. It's not often that I'm the pessimist. Like I think there's a lot of really good college players on this team, but I mean, I think there's maybe one or or two NBA players, guys that'll actually play in the NBA. I think a lot of guys will play professionally, but I just don't know if we, you know, I mean, like James Blackman Jr., you know, he's, you know, on a, he's what is he? He's in the G League, right? Yep. And I mean, you know, you don't have anybody on this team that can score at that level or that has a skill like that. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. I hope I'm. I hope I'm way wrong. Uh, time will tell. All right, let's get through these next ones pretty quick here. Dustin, will Al Durham see minutes as a freshman, significant minutes? Seems to have capable we seem to have capable guards already, but is he good enough to share minutes? Uh look, I think Archie has been very clear that your ability to be on the floor is going to be based on your ability to practice well and defend well, uh, and obviously, you know, not turn it over. And he's been very, very complimentary of Al Durham. In fact, he said, in terms of defense, he was talking about defense. He said Al was ahead of pretty much everybody. He was showing some real savviness on the defensive end. Now he's got to get those hamstring issues, you know, fixed. But it really sounds like he's a guy that's in the rotation right now and that will see some minutes, even if it's as kind of a you know a defensive specialist at first. But, you know, it's hard to say we haven't actually seen him play. But what the coaches are saying in practice sounds really positive for Al Durham. So hopefully that proves true. Um, Any thoughts real quick, guys, on on Al? Uh,
1: I think just based on Archie's comments, it seems like he's going to play. Yeah, I mean, you know, and again, if you can play, if you can play defense, he's going to love you. So I I would not be surprised if he gets Mendes as a freshman. Yep.
0: All right, Andy, this is from Derek Morgan. Indiana faces a wide range of talent in the non-conference schedule. What games will be the best measuring stick for where the team really is? And let's, you know, let's throw Duke out. I mean, that's kind of an easy question. Um, and, and maybe answer this two ways. One, you know, pick from the Louisville, Notre Dame, and Seton Hall games, for which you think is, you know, will really tell us. And then maybe pick one of the off-the-radar games that will really challenge Indiana and tell us where the Hoosiers are.
2: Uh, of the, of the main ones, uh, I'm going to say Notre Dame. I think the, the Louisville and Seton Hall games being on the road, uh, will be challenging in and of themselves. And while that element of the game could give you an idea where this team is, um, I think one of the things that we really want to look at is how, how much the team is coming along defensively and Notre Dame, Mike Bray teams always have, uh, a, an efficient offense and a solid offense. So I think that game on a neutral floor against a, uh, a very solid team, that's probably a, you know, top four or five. Um, seed type of team in the NCAA tournament that has a good offense. It'll be a good measuring stick for the defense. Um, outside of that, it's really hard. I mean, I've continued to look at these rankings and uh, and, and really try to figure out who the best of the rest uh, really is. That appears to be Eastern Michigan by pretty much every every measure. Um, any of those rankings that you cited for IU, they are uh, the best or or right among the best of the other teams that are on IU schedule. So I guess I'll say that one. Um, and I think that's one of the ones that's right around Thanksgiving as well. So I think there's yeah. a chance that, you know, that one is is not necessarily a test of the uh, of the of the team uh, from a, a skill standpoint. But I think yeah, that one's the Friday after uh, Thanksgiving. So they play the Wednesday before and the Friday after. So even mentally, from a hey, can you turn around and do this? You just had uh, the holiday. Can you come back and kind of get your mind focused back to to play somebody? I'll say them just because they're kind of the best of the rest team.
0: Yep. All righty, well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the assembly call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the assembly call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew, Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player find. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.